Good evening, fellow viewers. Shut up and sit down. The soda is cold. The popcorn is hot. Are you ready to see the sexiest man alive? The bearded charmer. It is time to watch the one, the only, the Guru Brando Show. Hello, welcome to Positively Entertaining Conversations with Guru Brando, your host and sometimes curious guest, Beth. Say your name. Beth. There you go. She's my lovely wife. Anywho's, so I have a whole lot to cover because I did not do a podcast on Tuesday. I was like this emotionally Tuesday, like this huge emotional roller coaster with the inauguration and my friend miss purple going back to north carolina um because she is starting the first step in her journey of returning so instead of missing her that's what i'm saying i'm saying you know what the sooner she gets there and gets her stuff handled the sooner she'll be able to come back and see us again so we are hoping that she relocates to the midwest soon so everybody good intentions for that um beth we got to watch a pretty amazing thing yesterday. We got to watch Biden and Harris get sworn in. Yes. What are your feelings? <sighs> Elation. <laughs> Elation. It's relief. Okay, why? Why are you elated? Uh, Break it down for the viewers. Because it, it, it feels like we're not going to move backwards anymore. That it felt like we were regressing? Yes. As a nation or individually? As a nation. Why? Uh, Trump, it seemed like, was interested in, in old policies and reviving old policies instead of moving forward. Or staying in, in those very narrow views of how the country has been. Yeah. You know, like, like you know, make This was it, the heyday back in. Yeah. This was the best, you know, uh, generation ever and, at this and point. That and one phrase, make America great again. You have to put into perspective what great was then. So first you have to have an idea of what then is. And you have to know what your idea of great is. So make America great again. When? When was America great for you? Hmm. What? Because we have experience with what presidents. Let's name them. Oh. Who was, who was before Reagan when we were born? Carter. Carter. So we have Carter. We have Reagan. Who came after Reagan? Bush. And then Bush uh, Senior. Yeah, Bush Senior. And then after Bush Senior was Clinton. And then after Clinton was W. <laughs> w. Love <laughs> W. Oh man. Okay. So then we had the other Bush, and then Obama. Yeah. And then from Obama to Trump. So we have a, a view of presidents. We're 44 years old, so we have kind of a whole lot, right? A lot of experience with the 40s and the presidents. Yeah. What time was America great for you? Who was president when you finally said, you know what? America is not um, this, this place, you know, that others are describing. America is this to me. Because um, you were military. I, honestly, I, I don't know how to answer that question because whenever I was, 
when I was in the army the first time, I was I was in an infantry patriot. You know, I was mm -hmm. in it to win it, and and you um, were. You I didn't see the were a patriot. I didn't see, you know, anything beyond my own nose. So and you and you really do believe that it wasn't until I joined the intel world that you know the the veil was the veil was lifted and I was like holy but crap this on. is how this really works you really do believe or did believe I should say you really did believe that the military was the greater good was America I mean America without its military wasn't a great nation and that's yeah. what we're talking about the word and our great. military is great well it, it's very great Absolutely. It's, sometimes hold it's on. being used as a tool. Hold, hold on. I'm not disputing that. Stay with this. So for you, the idea of America being great was aided by the military view. Yes. You were a patriot, a military patriot. So you understood that America as a superpower was because of its military force. Yeah. And at the, you know, you, in, in that point, I... I saw the U.S.'s could do no wrong. Right. Yeah, as a great nation. So for you, your time in the military was when you were the most patriotic and when America was great because you were naive. That's yeah. what you're talking about. You were naive. Absolutely. And whenever you got into the intel section, so out of the field, because in the field, your only perspective is what you're being fed, right? You're being fed the information in the field because you're cut off from the rest of the world. You're in the military and you have a militant mind. That's that one unit, right? Mm -hmm. So you survive as the unit and you're being fed the information that you have to use to survive, right? So you're being fed that perspective. Outside of the military, you gained a different perspective because you were a civilian for two years. And you said, I'm going to reclass. I'm not going to go back in as infantry. I don't want boots on the ground now. I have a family. I want intel. Right? Irony. <laughs> yeah. And so that is where your uh, naive life stopped. Yeah, it really did. Okay. So then once you understood the politics and the workings of the government and how the military played view, I'm summarizing here and all that into your perspective, how did you define that then? You were no longer a patriot, you were what? And there's not a wrong answer, you know? I don't know what the right word is. Um, I still stood behind my country. Because, you know, it's, it's my country, it's where we come from, it's what we stand for. Um, I think we have a great country. I think it just, you know, has problems like any other country. I will say it, you felt depressed. Three things happened. One, your view was changed, right? So you had another perspective. You had an insider perspective as opposed to an outsider perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So that affects your belief, which we just talked about. So your belief then changed from the patriotism that you had to then a broader view of the workings, the inner workings. Yeah, I would uh, hold probably... on. Hold on. So then... That was your second one. So then your third kind of awareness is the discrimination outside because you started to transition. So you had, you know, your entire world disrupted and changed from your one militant 
I dig your single-minded view of progression because the one thing that you and I would not talk about is progression or any kind of future as we hold it. We talked about how the government controlled everything and how we weren't allowed to do stuff, but that's as far as it went. We were controlled by the government and we weren't allowed to do stuff and there was nothing we could do about it. That's oppression. But we have a choice. I mean, we don't have to stay. We're we not, do. We're not it, being forced. I mean, I could always, you know. Right, say, you know and what, that's when you this. stopped being a victim. You started transitioning, and you stopped being oppressed. That's what I'm talking about. That's that resilience piece that you had that made you realize that patriotism's not gone. Because once you realize that you could actually advocate for yourself and get things done via the government, mm -hmm. that trust was built back up, and you said, you know what? I advocated for myself, the government listened, and shit is changing. It's progression. Your vote counted. And that's exactly what happens. But unfortunately, little do y'all know, our votes don't count. Because we're trans, and because my gender marker does not meet up with what my ID, Social Security, and everything says, on my birth certificate, in Texas, they won't change. They will not amend that marker that says that I am female, not male. And that's what it says on the birth certificate. It says F, not M. That one letter is what separates me from feeling patriotic and doing my duty as an American citizen and voting. So I have always been refused voters' rights. And um, it sucks. So I'm just going to put that out there. So that was one way that we are going to change that oppression. And the way we're changing that, you have put in for your legal name change, right? So you've got that in the works. It cost extra amount of money, so we had to wait. Yeah. Right? I was afraid that, you know, I guess like a lot of us, you know, we're afraid, you know, with the previous administration that, you know, our our rights would just be completely stripped from us. But they weren't completely stripped. However, we did lose a lot of rights that we gained under Obama. And I say that we gained these rights. We should have had these rights from the beginning, but we didn't because there's not a third category that puts intersex and transgender people uh, into a category for things like insurance or legalities. You know, we need that third sex box that says we can't fall under female and we can't fall under male. We have to fall under this other thing that says we're both or neither. Because some people, you know, are born differently and that's just a fact. And some people choose to live differently and that's a fact. So regardless if it's born in or choice, it's freedom at its best. And if it's not harmful to you or to others, it becomes irrelevant as to your struggle. So, you know, it's advocating. So you're advocating for yourself now instead of being an oppressed victim saying the government won't do anything. I can't um, get out of the military because the government, you know, is paying me. That was your first thing, you know, your thoughts were like, I have to be able to provide for my family and this is a skill that they say I have right yeah. and I will pay you for that skill so you chose to do that as a career 
So the first thing was, you know, finance your ego. You you have to. Everybody has to finance their ego. We live because of our egos. Um, so you did that. And then you did Intel with the same department. So at that point, you had a choice, is what I'm saying. When you were a civilian, you could have stayed a civilian. What did you do when you were a civilian? What was your job? Um, I worked at the... Hunt County Juvenile for a little while. I think that was my most stable job. Juvenile detention. That's oh. right, folks. Beth was a juvenile detention officer. It was a terrible time. She hated every second of it because she's too empathetic. And we're going to be talking about that in just a minute. She was too empathetic because she had to see these children, these neglected and abused children, come in into the juvenile system, uh, legal system, knowing that she also came from that and that could have been her and so the empathy was really strong and she would bring that home every single night talk about exhausting energy holy crap tell me about the job oh lord um it wasn't all bad it, it had its good points i worked mm. with you know some good remember people. no names yeah i worked with some <laughs> good people and some people that maybe they were a little bit more unscrupulous than others um and it was it was a lot of the time it was routine but then occasionally you know you'd get a reminder of where you were when you know you get a six-year-old in who actually shot his brother to death with a 12 gauge yeah that's tough stuff his three-year-old brother oh that's awful don't talk about it um that's the side of humanity that i studied i studied forensics and so in order to i guess understand humans and human nature better I had to understand the nature of the life cycle and one of those things is death and um, that was a pivotal point for me it, to realize that humanity can be um, less than what we desire that's what we're going to talk about first is we're about to talk about one of the truths to life is that evil actually exists and that's something that I know you have experience with because you were a juvenile officer, a juvenile detention officer, and also because you were military. And so you have seen humanity at its worst, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, I've definitely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we all as a nation got to see humanity at its worst also because we got to see riots, right? We got to see deaths from the pandemic. What are some of the other things that we got to see along those lines? That was like, holy crap, humanity is really evil. People are really doing this stuff to other people. Floyd. Yeah. That's one. Absolutely. Oh, another one that people, most people don't think about is the water in Flint. Right. Okay, <laughs> so here's the thing, guys. It's our duty as other humans to make sure that humanity survives. See, if you're ever wondering what your purpose in life in is as a human, that's what it is because you're a human first, and then you can call yourself by whatever you want. But first, you're a human, and then, like me, I'm human, and then... I'm a holistic coach. Okay, so that's what I'm choosing is my how I live. 
So I not only have it as a career, but it's how I live. I try to live as holistically balanced as I can. So first, I'm human, right? So I want to make sure that as a human, I monitor the humans around me because that affects me, right? And in order to be holistic, you got to make sure you surround yourself with good stuff, the stuff that makes you feel good. So what happens when you're in an environment that is evil for a long time? kind of rubs off on you <laughs> yeah you become a shitty person don't you you were a super shitty person when you worked there can you identify that at juvenile yeah yeah do you know why you were it's that it's that word i used a minute ago empathy it's that word empathy so we we understand that evil exists right we just talked about that but did you also know that empathy is not a motto that you should live your life by it's a skill for you and you only. And why is that? Because it's gained from going through your challenging situations. Do you understand that? Yes. If you cannot be empathetic to anybody else unless you have gone through what they've gone through. You can be sympathetic. You can pity the shit out of them. You can be like, I pity the fool that did this. Because you can imagine the situation. You understand what it is. But there ain't no way you can fully get there because you haven't gone through it. Can cis people understand what trans people go through? No. Can trans people understand what cis people go through? Hell no. We can't. Even though people think that we were born as that assigned gender and we chose to do this, all we chose was to actually transition, to actually make the outside look like the inside. But the way we're born is the way that we're just born, and, and that's just what it is. And it doesn't matter if it happened at conception or if it happened two days after. To us, our knowledge, our reality is it was inborn. So if you are empathetic, do you think that that is an inborn thing? Is that if you call yourself an empath, and I have a lot of people that believe that they're empathic. Everybody's empathic for the record, but we're talking a special kind of empathy and how you used to identify that way as being very empathic. So what did that mean to you and what does it mean to you now? After going through experience, I have fat arms and my sleeve keeps going up into my armpit. Pardon the arm. I don't know if that means if it really meant anything serious to me because I don't think I ever took it seriously. But how did you, know, you identify with it? Just that. That you took on the feelings yeah. of those that you were around. Yeah. And I, That's you exactly know, I, what it is. I didn't have too much trouble, you know, I guess identifying with feelings that they were conveying. But what you had identif trouble identifying is what feelings were yours and what feelings were created by your environment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, folks. That's the way you need to think of it. So, if you are declaring that you are an empathic person, you are declaring that you are not living your own life. You're not living your own emotions. You're not living your own experiences. You are living vicariously through those around you in your environment. So, if you are declaring yourself to be an empath, you are saying, I choose to absorb the emotions around me and use those as opposed to finding my own. It's sort of a distraction technique because if you have been a victim for a very long time, 
or you have been, and I say victim meaning a victim of depression, a victim of anxiety, a victim of fear, victim of whatever, if you have had a struggle in your life and that's just where you've been and you have no outside perspective, how do you know that you are empathic or not? How do you know that your reality is yours or if it's other people? How would you possibly know that if you had no other perspective? You wouldn't, right? So I'm giving you perspective like, today. You know, fair day was a sunny day. Right. <laughs> so perspective today is if you are empathetic or you're calling yourself an empath and that is your motto that you're living by, you are declaring that as who you are, that is not the way to go because you are not being genuine. You are being and living because someone else made you feel that way. In case y'all didn't know by now, nobody can make you feel anything. You are in control of your own feelings. That means that if somebody ticks me off, I can get glad in the same pants I got mad in. I just have to decide that it's not worth being mad about. Was Trump worth being mad about? No. That's why we not, did not, not... But that's why I did not become an extremist. I yeah. did not become an extremist even though we were oppressed by some things. I did not become an ex extremist because A, I do believe that Trump added value to the U.S. I believe he added value and he enriched my life by providing... <laughs> I'm yeah. absolutely serious. Yeah. By providing some perspective and a lesson that the shadow government does not exist. Absolutely. That's it what it did for you, right? Because most of us who were conspiracy theories theorists and who, um, I guess, grew up with that certain mindset that we've always discussing, we really did believe, you know what? Sure, elect Trump. Okay, he's, he's put there. But he cannot do anything, really. He's just a front man. He's an actor. That's why they have him. He's an actor. We had no idea. And now we have perspective, don't we? Would you agree we have perspective? Oh, there's definitely perspective <laughs> happening. Okay, so now tell me what it is. Tell me oh. what your perspective that you gained from Trump. Oh, God, that, you know, it could be, chaos could be voted into office, not just put there. But people could vote chaos into the office. Yep. And you know what you were talking about earlier? You were talking about Republicans, in your mind, the way you feel about it, or conservative Republicans, Trump supporters, for you are stuck in a mindset, right? They're not very progressive with their thoughts or their values. Is that, is that, did I hear that right? If not, correct me because I'm just paraphrasing what you said. I don't remember that conversation. Um, as far as my opinion on people who value Trump as, greatly, um, because first, uh, yeah, I, I can definitely say, yeah, there's, well, we it, were talking earlier not, about Republicans and conservative Republicans, the Trump supporters, we specifically, we were talking about them. We were talking about what differentiates really those people from us, because we once were supportive of the idea that Trump was progressive. Yeah. And then you're Definitely you in the changed. beginning it was a hope. 
definitely a hope. Right, but your view changed, and you realized, and I realized, with the slogan, Make America Great Again, that it was him truly wanting it to be what it was for him. Yeah, it was only for and not certain. for the nation. You see, it's a very introspective It's only for a certain group focus. of people. Right. For a group of people that thought America was great when he thought it was great. So he was kind of trying to stay in this area, his era. His era of ideas. And so that's what Beth and I were talking about. And if you stay too long anywhere, you end up wasting time. If Think about it. If we were plants, and we were planted, and we stayed there, and we grew within our confines, we remain that plant, right? We're there, and we're totally dependent on our environment to survive, yes? Okay, we're not plants, people. We actually have desires to seek out. We have curiosity. We have desire to seek out. Um, knowledge and I said earlier um, I wonder what it is that I don't know right that's a good question to ask yourself what do you not know well you don't know because you don't know what you don't know so anything you know ask the opposite of so I know what my democratic values are I know what those are I know what my progressive values are you know what yours are right so ask yourself the opposite so what are conservative values? Because that's what we're trying to, we don't know because we're not conservatives. We're not Trump supporters. So we have no idea how they feel right now. Well, I'm sure We cannot be empathetic to them. We can be sympathetic. No, wait a minute. We probably can be empathetic if we put ourselves in the, when, when Trump was elected in the first place. Right. So, but it's not the same situation. In this case, he left. So he left his people. Yeah, so now the other side of the table is upset. Right. But that's what I'm saying. You know, it's anytime you are stuck somewhere too long, your idea becomes more fixed. Right? So people who grow up in a house that is very um, conservative, very strict about their values, tend to breed children that are also. Right? I said tend to, it's not always, because something happens. If a kid decides to go against the system, go against family values, and do something on their own, they then have a new perspective that they add to that family. Yes? The black sheep? The black sheep is always the most interesting because they're the only ones that are doing stuff. They're not stuck. Rocking the boat. In case y'all didn't know, I was the black sheep. Still am the black sheep. As a matter of fact, I think that all three of us are the black sheep. Oh, did you notice my hat, guys? Yeah, uh-huh. Homage, Joe, homage. Okay, so we talked about evil exists. We talked about don't be stuck with empathy. And we talked about don't be stuck at all. And people don't want to hear the truth. That's the next one. People don't want to hear the truth inherently. Do you believe that's true? Do you think, think that there's think actually truth seekers? I think that um, it's subjective to what people want to hear. Of course. So, do people personally want to hear the truth? When you're personalizing something, it means that If I have to, to prepare you, myself for the truth, 
you know, that's when I asked the question. Right. If it's a truth that I was like, okay, I need to get ready for this. Um, do I really want to know? Okay, so people don't want to hear the truth. What they want to hear is what sounds good and reasonable. Because our brains naturally, believe it or not, want to look for the easiest explanation, the path of least resistance. Yeah, well, some people are, are, are good at it with, you know, you know, having the just the raw truth wherever so, they go. So the path of least resistance is what? Well, it depends. On, I don't know. What to you, not look context. for the truth, but to just believe what we hear. Yeah, that's, that's the that's easiest it. way that's to do what, it. Because then you just take what people say. Right, oh, yeah, I'll but whatever you say. guess what? Yeah. Then you become disempowered because you are giving your control over to somebody else. So the moment you say, I don't know, I can't, or I won't, you are choosing, you're making a choice to let somebody else decide for you. Because if you just sit on your butt and do nothing, the universe doesn't stop going, does it? It's going to kick you in the butt until you get out of that spot, right? Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to hear the truth. Well, it's like, you know, the... I don't want to hear the, the, the truth sometimes. It, it's... It was a Christian adopted saying, uh, the Lord helps those who help themselves. And you, and you do. The you universe, yeah. yeah. In general, the universe helps those. Kind of get that ball rolling. Get that energy built up. You have to decide, one, that you don't have to stay stuck. I don't know what you're digging on, but please stop. I love you. I love you. Bumping my foot on this book here. I love you. You telling me that or you? <laughs> I'm telling you. I really do. Okay, now, this goes to the next point. So, people that don't want to hear the truth, do you think that those people are dumb? No. What do you think those people are? People who don't want to hear the truth because they don't want to seek out. Willfully ignorant. Ignorant. Ignorant is a good word. Okay. So, willfully, we get that because you're deliberate about not wanting to know. You're saying, I don't want to hear the truth. I'm only going to narrow my view to what I'm told, right? Okay. So, if you go outside of that, you broaden your view a little, and you start getting input in, that's what? It's perspective. It's education, right? So, you become educated, and you're no longer ignorant. Yeah. Or, as I say, ignorant. Experience helps. <laughs> Experience helps, right? So... You can no longer be ignorant if you are educated. In one form or another. Right. It doesn't Either necessarily school, mean academic it education. It doesn't. And that's a good point. It doesn't have to be academic. You can learn anything you want from Google, I think. Anything. You can learn how to do anything from YouTube. at your fingertips. Yes, you do. You can absolutely study, research, anything. But what you can't do is anything. You know, you absolutely just can't do everything. Everyone has a limit, a physical limit, right? So if we all have physical limits and mental capabilities and we believe that, we're not going to try for anything more than is known. But what if you said, we don't know what our potential is. We were reading about that guy who has no brain yeah. and he is somehow still very aware. He's a little sketchy. But nonetheless, he has no freaking brain. So physically, okay. Well, it's 40% it's gone. <laughs> okay. Seriously, though. That's like, still a lot. Straight across top, like Frankenstein top. 
Okay, so if that exists, and we had no idea that that potential existed until that happened to that guy, who the hell are we to put a cap on any potential that we have? So we can't honestly say that there's nothing that we uh, can't do, right? We, we can't say that. Because we don't know what we're capable of until we do it. So educate, educate, educate. Which brings me to the point that you can go to college and study hard, make great grades, and graduate and fail in life because you lost the experience. That means you were pouring all yourself into academics and you had zero social life, you made no network connections, and you failed to see how the world outside yourself worked. It's balance. You need balance. It's a balance. I love balance. So I feel like education makes a nation great and the college is not overrated. I think when you go to college, you experience something totally outside of just academics. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Potentially, a lot of people discover who they are in college, in, the, um, in one form or another. Yeah, and the problem is it's expensive, and not everybody has an opportunity. So when college stops being a commodity, then I think that we'll realize as a nation we're much stronger to be educated in in life by going outside to college having an experience especially coming out of COVID and we're all educating ourselves at home and we're not having the real world experience I mean you don't just learn responsibility in college you learn scheduling you learn shopping you learn budgeting I mean you learn half of what you need to know as an adult by practicing and you practice in college don't you you pretend to be an adult <laughs> You Some know, people do. Some people don't. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. But, you know, in high school... I was, what, I was 24 when I went to college the first time, and I didn't pretend to be an adult at all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for you, becoming an adult, your college experience wasn't college. It was boot camp. So what did you say earlier about that, about boot camp was, for you, the better experience? You would gain more from it because college didn't appeal to you. Yeah, well, for me at the time, I did. I wasn't really good with self-reliance, and, and so I think I just I needed to grow up, and the military forced me to grow up. It, it was in a very harsh way, but well, it forced I you to grow up, up in some respects, but it enabled you in I, others. Yeah. Well, I grew up enough to to understand, you know, okay, look, I need to take care of myself. This is for real now. Yeah, I need to have proper hygiene. I need to square away my environment. You learned very useful skills. But you also learned what? Camaraderie. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. And that anybody, you know, if you do, if you do something together with a group of people and everybody's experiencing the same suck, <laughs> you all grow together. Yeah, embrace the suck. So embracing that suck for you, that building that camaraderie is what we have to do as a nation again. You know, and and well, I think we probably did. Yeah, and we did. That's that's what Trump gave us camaraderie. It's kind of like when siblings hate the same parent, and so they it, conspire against that parent. Was, oh, I hate them so much. It was camaraderie, yes, but it was camaraderie within the within the parties. It it was. It was still a clear division. There is a clear division, but the divide is getting smaller, 
and it's getting smaller because Trump provided us the awareness as a nation that we needed, that we have to unite because when we separate, shit like rallies really go wrong and turn into riots. Riots should not, I mean, rallies should not turn into riots and riots should not be called rallies. And that's just a fact. And we got to experience that as a nation together. So thank you. Sincerely, I mean that. Thank you, universe, for the experience of Donald Trump. I mean that in every sense of it. Education, we need more education. So we don't fall into the political trap of idolizing an era. Because that's what happened. We began to idolize that make America great again and we couldn't define when because for our kids for us when is now it definitely wasn't going to be great for everybody I mean when is now so we don't want to make America great like it was because we're progressive it it's got to be good for all people people I mean it really does it's for humanity it's got to be good for humanity because we're humans first and then we carry titles you know, those titles are sir, ma'am, or um, business, or um, student, or whatever. We carry those titles of who we are, but first humanity. So we look out for each other and make sure that we're still humanizing other issues. We can't say, oh, we have issues like dogs, or we have issues like cats. No, we have issues like humans. Some people may have issues like dogs and cats. We humanize our pets a lot, but they're still animals. As a civilized society, we have to have these um, values that we uphold. So if you think, as far as your comfort zone, your values, what are they? Now, what's your top value? Family. Family. What's your second value? Well, your top value is self. Yeah, but um, but after that, it's family. Yeah, family. Some sort of financial stability. Some sort of you know. I'm not asking you know you don't have to be rich, but something stable so that we can you know. My have a place, my first value have a home. My first value is self, and then it's progression, and under progression follows family because family is progress. So if my second value is progress, anytime I see somebody who is staying where they're comfortable, it makes me uncomfortable. And then I make them uncomfortable. And it gets them out of their comfort zone, right? How uncomfortable did I used to make you whenever I was at my OCD worst? I walked into the room and what happened? Anxiety. Like, um, kind of like... Uh you walk into a static field and all the hair stands up on your body. Yeah, that's, like that kind of anxiety. Yeah, because I was an energy producer. Like, my energy was always fearful, you know. And I think that that was something else that, the, that happened. I think every time we saw Donald Trump, we had that reaction. Didn't we? Every single time he came on the news, it was, oh, God, what happened? Yeah, it was, you know, it was very much like that, that one reference I made about it as far as, you know, so what's guess, he going to say next? What's yeah, he going to say next? So guess what I just did? I just gave a comparison that he is totally human. Yeah. Okay. He's human because he is 
the cycle of humanity. You can look at him, because some people say he's the Antichrist. Some people are putting him up as a god. People are idolizing Trump. <laughs> people are idolizing Trump, or Biden, or any political person for that matter. But I'm speaking specifically about the president that just left. Here he was being raised as a god, or he was being made to be Antichrist. And he was human. People, you're human. See, we want to do that so we don't have to admit that people like that exist. I think that that's kind of like every president, though. Every president has come through and been like, oh, he's either, you know, the second coming of Christ or he's the devil's child. Yeah, how come we can't so, just have space? That, how about for me, just is the Biden. He's just the person with... Biden you know, and Harris and are that spectrum of progress. And it looks like um, mixed race... It looks like different genders. It looks like um, interracial relationships. It looks like different error homage. Look, he played music from all different times. He has a progressive insight. The insight's what's important. If you stick with the same friends that you've always had, you don't network, you don't meet real people, guess what? you're going to have no idea what you don't know, right? Because you, you can't ever ask yourself, what do I not know? It's the opposite of what I do know. Well, if you don't know anything to begin with, right? If you don't know anything to begin with, you're not going to seek anything outside. This is kind of a paradoxical question, though. <laughs> I wonder is. what I don't know. It is a paradoxical question. But um, if you never go outside your comfort zone, you will stay very simple thinking. And people are very complex. Humans are complex. We are not designed to stay planted. We're not designed to have conservative, real strict conservative views. You can value conservative ideas all you want, but as a nation we should not be conservative with our progress. We shouldn't be. Okay, so that's my take, my opinion, best opinion, but sometimes you do have to be the bigger one because if you're not, then there's never an example. So sometimes you have to be the bigger person and admit defeat in all situations in life. Well, yeah, we all. I but, think, yeah, we all have to have some degree of humility. But do you know what the cost of humility is? No one is going to clap for you. Yeah. You are going to be the only one standing with no one clapping for you because you are being the bigger person. And and. People don't think about that. You know, what do you do when you have to be the better person regardless of the recognition? Nobody ever is going to know that, I don't know, I can't even come up with something because I'm so open and public, you know. But you can't possibly... Um, you can't possibly be progressive if you never acknowledge defeat. Because you're never putting an end. You learn more from your defeats than your victories. You, you only learn from defeat. You feel from victories, but you only learn from defeat. You learn nothing from a victory. Except what does work on the first try. <laughs> But, but that's immediate gratification, and that's what 
negativity looks like. Just so you know, that's what it looks like. Because you're choosing the path of least resistance. We talked about that. If you're choosing the path of least resistance, it's because it's being fed to you. If you're idolizing someone, it's because it's being fed to you. It's not your experience that tells you that. All right. So, um, I hate to be the bigger person. Most people hate it. Do you hate it? Or is it okay? If I hate to if, lose. If I'm, I freaking if I'm, hate it. If I'm being irrational, yeah, I absolutely hate it. I but I'm usually being irrational when I feel that way. That means I've been spoken right. by something. Yeah. I think that, in general, you're not a poor sport. And you do learn from things easier than I do. I think that I have a harder time saying... I can make the best of the situation. And that's why you hear me all the time say it. And I, I don't have as much difficulty now as I used to. I used to have automatic negative thoughts all the time. But now I don't. And I can say, you know what, right now, that's just their issue. And i got to be the bigger person and say, I learned my lesson. I'm not going to meddle. I'm just going to let the universe have it, and I'm not going to meddle. Yeah. I'm going to say he's doing him, and I'm doing me. And I don't need to worry about it because the universe will unfold. And that's exactly what happened. The moment I stopped feeling oppressed by the government and by Trump and his ideas and his values, the moment I stopped feeling oppressed, everything opened up and the universe did take care of it. I started to advocate for myself just like you, getting your name changed. And hopefully this next election will be able to vote if I can get my gender marker squared away, which is something I'm been working on and going to continue to work on so that's that or unless something changes well, i may different. have a petition it's different on your your driver's license right it is it's and that's not what counts okay. that's not what counts it has to because it comes back as an invalid um social security number because it doesn't match with my birth certificate so yeah it's a whole nightmare but that's that's my struggle that's my journey and you know, I'm just going to keep going at it until something changes. I'm not going to become a victim of a circumstance that somebody made up. You know, remember we talked about potential. Somebody else made up this circumstance for me and said there's only two genders that you can qualify for. You can only be a male or you can only be a female in order to vote. And I'm saying, well, I'm both a male and a female because I'm a trans male. So I need that third category. And until it's there, I can't do it. And so that's what I'm working on. So that's that. Um, contrary to popular belief, vulnerability does not equal weakness. Is that true to you or false? That's a context question. It's a weakness if you're, if you're you know, strategizing combat. Absolutely. Yeah, and you understand that that's why I phrased it that way and asked you that is because that is something... That but, you lived by, uh, did you yeah, not? On a personal level, when you're with somebody, it is not. Like I said, is that something that's true or false? Is it something that you lived by, and do you live by it now? Um, yeah, yeah, I did live by it. Um, and no, I don't anymore. What changed? It's too difficult. It takes too much energy, you know, to, to just walk around with it, this shell. Yeah. You know, that you have to constantly put energy into to keep other people out. 
Mm -hmm. And you realize that when you're vulnerable, other people are vulnerable with you, and you see a whole nother view, don't you? But then you start to experience things, and you're ill-equipped because you haven't given yourself Well, as long as you don't call yourself an empath and decide that you're going to live everybody else's life, <laughs> then you're fine. But, you know, I live your own freaking... I don't do living. Thank God, yeah. Other people's lives. But that's okay, <laughs> you know. And, and if you had chosen to do that forever... <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't have been here, but it would have been okay because it's valid for you. You know, and that was only really with my dad. And because you know, yeah, it, and it's I don't trauma. Know how, yeah, I don't know how our paths were so similar, you know, up to a certain point in our lives. It was really bizarre, but I'm glad that, you know, our, our paths deviated. Yeah, me too, you know. Um, but you can't forget that you do have such good stuff from him. And, oh, yeah, and, absolutely. Um, yeah, you can't just concentrate on that. Do you think it takes courage um, for better solutions. Do you think that in order to make the world a better place, you have to have courage to discover the the path? Yeah, absolutely. Talk about that. Um, it's like the there. There's an adage that's if it's if it isn't broken, don't fix it. And that works to you know for certain it's things. It's not. It it, it um, isn't. But if it ain't, it, if it ain't I broke, I wasn't gonna put it like that. If it ain't yeah. broke, don't fix it. Um, and that's kind of like in a lot of ways that's settling. And you know, and you've grown comfortable in something, and then you you stop growing, you know, as a person, as a group, or a nation, or a planet. Um, and my train of thought just kind of derailed a little bit. Are you bit. serious? Yeah, it happened. What was I saying? Does that mean you're just trailing off? No. No. Um, gosh darn it. Give yourself a minute and don't be anxious about it. Everybody that watches us waits on us. They know. <sighs> or they don't know and that's why they wait. Okay, we'll come back yeah. to that. We'll come back to that thought. Okay, because we were talking prepared. to we were talking to vulnerability not equaling weakness. Yeah, yeah, we covered that. Okay, and so manipulation is shunned, yet everybody manipulates every day. Better to be aware than to ignore it. True. Do you believe oh, that yeah. that is a truth? Yeah. yeah every single person manipulates everyone else. We are designed to manipulate because we adapt to our environments. You can't be manipulated if you're aware of it. You cannot, you cannot adapt to an environment unless you manipulate it. You either have to manipulate yourself or manipulate your environment in order to adapt. Yes. Humans are designed to manipulate. And nobody even understands that. Nobody will admit that they manipulate things. It's such an ugly word. Ooh, look it up. Look up the word manipulate. See what it actually means. You know I like that. I could look it up, but then I'd have to lean forward and grab the mouse and blah, 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 blah. I missed so, a phone call. Huh? I missed a phone call. I'm sorry. Manipulate. And, you know, we talked about idolizing, you know, um, politicians and things like that. You know, love does not hurt, but idolizing does. And that's how you can tell the difference. Whenever you're invested for when when you're invested for your own interests, 
you're being empathetic to the cause. You're totally investing. And that is idolizing that notion under your value, under your idea, right? And so it hurts when shit goes down. But love, it doesn't hurt because love is acceptance. Okay, okay. we have two definitions. Give me and, one. You know, Let's go. Okay, so one is to handle um, a tool, mechanism, etc., uh, typically in a skillful manner. He manipulated the dials, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. So you can do it skillfully, manipulation skillfully, or... That's more like physical manipulation. Right, but nonetheless, okay, it's manipulation. Control or influence a person or situation cleverly, unfairly, or unscrupulously. There you go. So do we, every single day, say, you know what, that tree, it's too shady. I think I'll cut that branch off. Did we manipulate our environment? Did we harm it? Yes, we harm the tree. We choose to harm the tree to manipulate our environment to please us aesthetically. We also do it to survive. We chop down trees to build houses. We are manipulating our environment. Guess where all that manipulation got us? Climate, climate issues. Manipulating our environment too much causes earth issues, yeah, right? That's when you're throwing things out of balance. Yeah, so we've been crapping that up. And that's one of those values that we have that Trump didn't have that made it difficult for us that now you are excited because, you know, that's one of those new progressive steps. I'm excited too. I like the fact that we're looking at clean energy. It makes me happy. And I don't like the fact that I have to drive a car as a... Um, spiritual person drive a car that burns fossil fuels it bothers me i could get an electric car yes i'm not there yet i have to work within my means right now and that's what i'm doing but that's my ultimate goal is clean energy i i do enjoy walking too by the way just not lately not in the cold um okay so we talked about manipulation we talked about love um oh and resilience that's my favorite nothing will get you through life like mental resilience what is that what's uh, mental resilience compared to physical the ability to bounce back in a mental situation you know or, or like say if you are in a situation you know that requires a lot of mental dexterity well we talked about regression earlier and regression is something that can happen whenever you don't maintain a skill right if you don't if you don't use it you lose it atrophy if you don't maintain a skill, if you do not maintain your mental capabilities, you will lose them, right? Yeah. Okay, so mental resilience gets you through life because if you can't kickstart your brain again, you'll die. Do you understand that? Do you understand that if you let your mind deplete, you die? Um, yeah. Your faculties start to disappear. If you do not have stimuli and that's any of your senses if you cut off all your senses you will die your brain will die well yeah i mean the human body is basically one giant sensory organ yes it is so it's, you'd be dead it, absolutely. if you couldn't feel anything yeah so mental resilience tells us that we have to go through a process of change we have to go through base one learning about that and then we have to step it up to build that resilience we're not we're not always going to just be able to step up 
we have to be able to fall down so we know where the bottom is. You know, you got to know where you start. Yeah, that's like learning from your failures and mistakes and yeah. learning those boundaries and parameters. And that's what mental resilience is. It's the ability to say, I had a poor thought and now I'm going to learn a better one. It's about reframing those those negative thinking patterns. Okay, so mental resilience. Now, whether you believe in God, karma, or pure consequence, this life will give you everything you put back into it. Nothing more, nothing less. True or false? Look at Forrest Gump. Think about it. Think about what all the movies per portray for us. Do they portray that concept of whenever you're a shitty person, you get treated poorly, and whenever you're a good person, you get rewarded? What are we being fed? It's an untruth. That is not an untruth. Whatever you put in, you get back out. What about ill-gotten gain? There's no such thing as ill-gotten gain. Because the number one universal rule is everything starts with good intention. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter even if you are a killer. In your mind, your reality, your intention is set for good. No one has ill intention. It's perception. And so if, if you go on that premise whether you believe in good or God or karma or consequence or whatever, you have to admit that when you put something in, when you put forth the effort, you might get ill-gotten gain, but does it stay? Will you live a long, prosperous life if you've gotten something it depends um, on in how, the wrong way. How I want you to give me. I want you to give me one example of a hero who has stepped on others to get to where they're going, and and they remain a hero. You tell me who that person is. I want to know somebody who has not given back, because that's what it is. When you give back, that's you saying I'm able to receive what I have put out. Yeah. Okay, so you give me an example of somebody who is a hero on not their own accord. I'll give you a clue. You can't. Yeah, because you're either going to give back or you're not. But so, ill-gotten gain means there's no such thing as ill-gotten gain because everything starts out with good intention. And if you fully believe that, you'll know that even the person who got it ill-gotten has a choice. They can go on to a better path or they can remain the same. If they remain the same, karma catches up. Eventually. It, but it does. Sometimes they do not live... lifetimes. And that's that negative thinking that you have right there that just keeps you stuck in that mindset that says... Somebody's out to get me. No, I'm not but saying that at all. No, no, no. Whenever you say that somebody starts out with ill intention, ill-gotten gain, and they progress with ill-gotten gain, that's exactly what you're saying. Well, it, it doesn't become ill-gotten gain until they make the decision to make it that way. And that's it what could, I was yeah, giving absolutely, you in the example. Absolutely be like, oh, I'm going to start this business. So it comes with awareness is what I'm saying. Mm. So ill-gotten gain is not ill-gotten gain until you're aware it's ill-gotten gain. Until you choose to make it that no, way. No, listen. 
You can be given something and be totally unaware that it is ill-gotten. Well, that's different if you don't that, know about it. That's ignorance. That's exactly my point, Beth. That every single thing you start out doing is with good intention. No one wakes up in the morning and says, just because I'm feeling bad today, I'm going to go kill someone. I know that. So that's, that's what I'm saying. So n nothing starts with ill intent. Every single thing starts with good intent until they're aware. As soon as you become aware that your intention was wrong, then that's the choice. Yeah, and you, know, you will never prosper. That, that good intention um, doesn't extend beyond the self. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. There's no giving back. Those people don't prosper. People who do not give back do not prosper. And, and that's fact. If anyone has an example of somebody who is not given back in deed, energy, anything, somebody who's not given back that is iconic, an iconic hero, somebody that people look up to, or even a, a mentor for you, I want to hear about it. I want to know because it is not possible. It's not possible to get something for nothing. Everything costs in the universe. It's going to cost your energy, your effort, your spirituality. It's going to cost something. Because if you put it out there, someone else is going to pick it up and give it back. Someone's going to pick your ball up. And they're either going to play with it, change it, and give it to someone else. Or they're going to give it back to you. Right? It depends on if you threw it at their head or if you rolled it to them. So depending on how you behave is how that person is going to treat what you gave them. That's the intent. So that's the awareness. When you finally reach the awareness that it's bad, then that choice is what gives you the consequence. So do you feel like if you put out only good intention, you only throw the ball nicely or roll the ball, then what you get back will be pleasant too not all the time but yeah generally what makes that difference that's what we just said awareness and the no. different energies and the people. awareness the people you choose it's awareness if you choose to be around somebody who you know has their own self-centered intent you have to identify that person as not someone that you want to share the ball with well i'm just applying this to if you ran into a random person you know, it would be different if it was somebody in my inner circle. So if you were putting out good energy to a random person, you feel like they would just be unpleasant to you? No, no, not at all. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you can't tell who's going to do what. So, I mean, it's good to but always put out... But you can tell. You know it's, how? It's good to always put out... Do you know out. how? How can you tell if somebody's going to just be ill-intended? Ill how can you tell? Just... By looking at someone, how can you tell that their intention's bad? No, I'm not a mind reader. I mean, it, it depends on, on reactions, you know. That's what I was trying to say. You know, always put out, you know, good intention, you know, and you will get good intention back most of the that's time. That's exactly. Sometimes you run into a shithead. It happens. Yeah, and that goes back to number one. Evil exists. But guess what? It exists, but it doesn't define who they are. 
No. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, evil exists. Evil intent exists. But it doesn't have to define who that person is because people have a choice. So you can let them know, hey, what you're doing is kind of evil. And then they can choose to change or they can choose to remain the same. But either way, they're going to get back what they put out. So if they're shithead, guess what? They're not going to get good things in their lives. They're going to have struggle. They're going to have hardship. They're going to have pain. Those are the paths that those people choose. Look at Trump, for instance. Yes, he may have been born of privilege. Yes, he may have had all these great things happen. But he has had a life of struggle that we won't understand. We will never understand it because I have no intention on being In president. In order to be stunted the way he is, he's had to. We're not like going to make, no, we're not making speculations. No. I'm talking here and now. So he, you know, had good intention to make America great. He didn't start out and go, I'm going to make sure that the economy does this and that the people do that. And he didn't do that. It never extended beyond the self. Exactly. And that's where you get back what you put in. He did not get promoted to another term. He didn't because the intention wasn't there. That's what I'm, that's, you know, what I'm putting forth. So if you chase pleasure instead of pain, you look back with regret. The easier route never, never leads to anything. That's what we talked about earlier, right? You yeah. You can't, you know, you can't get somewhere if you don't experience pain. Because pain is the lesson. You would agree, right? Yeah, it, I mean, pain is part of the picture. So if you never, if you never knew pain, you would never know pleasure. And if you never knew sympathy... You would never know empathy. If you never knew empathy, you would never know sympathy. You would have no perspective if you did not believe that pain was more beneficial. I don't think it's more beneficial. I think it's equally beneficial. I think you're wrong. I think, I it, think, I think that everything you don't benefit. I think that you do not benefit and progress from pleasure as much as you do pain. Because pain is the lesson you don't know without it. You, you don't know pleasure without the pain well, of the struggle. Yeah, that's in the context of saying you learn more from your mistakes, and that, you know, and that's true. That's but if you, somebody experienced pain you know, a lot more than they experienced anything else, then they would become a jaded individual. No, they, they don't become a jaded individual. They become resilient, and they become stronger for it. I would hope so. That, some people do, definitely do, and I know people that have. Most people do or they're dead. That's what happens. You die in a situation because of Darwin. Because you had no resilience and you had no desire to thrive. So life got you. And it comes in many forms. It comes in the form of homicide, suicide, but the universe is going to catch up to you if you're doing stupid things. That's just a fact. If you want to live a destructive life, guess what? You're going to de deconstruct. Are you not? Yeah, you'll die from your destructive life. Okay, well, what if you live a productive life? You're going to produce. Yeah. So you're going to multiply, right? So those families who can't have children but decide to adopt, that is that pathway. That's that critical thinking that says, I wish for my journey to continue through procreation. And when it doesn't happen, that's evolution that says, I know how to circumvent that. I have critical thinking skills, I have good intention, and I know it's going to be painful. So it's a lesson. So I know I'm growing.
it's one of those things. If you chase pleasure instead of pain, you look back and you regret it. Because all you did was lead a life of what? Comfort. Yeah, but that's if you're unbalanced. No, it's not if you're unbalanced. If you're it's unbalanced, you have a hedonistic life. If all you if all you experience is pleasure in your life, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you're extreme. It means that you're entitled. It doesn't mean that you have to live hedonistic. If you only know a comfortable life and you know no pain, what does that say? If if all you're doing is you're chasing that pleasure, that comfortability, you're stuck. You're not living. Yeah. That's that's exactly, if you chase pleasure instead of pain, you look back with regret. So if all you're doing is chasing the comfortable feeling, you're going to regret because you're not experiencing any excitement, any new adventure, anything, and you're going to regret not having more perspective. If you sit in the house all day long, you don't know what the birds sound like. But if you go outside, you might get pooped on. Right? You have to experience pain in order to understand pleasure. But if you only chase pleasure, if you're only chasing to be comfortable in your life, that's the ego, you're chasing your comfortability, you're not growing, changing, learning anything, and you will regret that. You will look back and you'll go, wow, I lived in the same town, in the same house, my entire life. This is your midlife crisis. Yeah, it's the truth. So, did you have an entertaining conversation? I did. I did. Do you want to have any more entertaining conversations with me, or is this your last podcast ever? Uh, not to flip a coin. Wow. I'm just playing. Yeah, yeah, I'll come on another one. Um, I'll be here, if, you know, if everybody will have me. You know, if everybody... They love you, and I love you. <laughs> And um, this is the extra long one. Um, it's just going to be one episode, though. I'm not splitting this up. This is the big cojona. So you have part one and part two of one single conversation with Beth and I. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. I do love you. I was oh, teasing you, you earlier. And you look beautiful. Give me a kiss. Give me a kiss on camera. Oh, that was naughty. Okay, guys. Thank you very much for watching us again, listening to us, listening to me ramble. Um, and I will be back Tuesday or Thursday. I don't know. I'm playing with the schedule a little bit. I might just shock y'all. So, anywho's, that's that. Thank you! Okay. This is Carl Rodriguez, the man without a brain. Half-headed man. This is a story coming from someone who submitted what's the most insane thing a human has survived. Alright, Carlos Rodriguez is a man without a brain. From birth, this guy was completely normal. Nothing on the physical indicators was radically different from his peers. As a teenager, Carlos con contacted a bad company, and so he got friends and started using alcohol and drugs. The tragedy that changed his life occurred when he was 14. Be being in a state of alcohol and drug intoxication, Carlos stole a car and got into an accident. During the collision, the teenager flew through the windshield, 
and hit his head on the asphalt. The doctors managed to save his life, but a significant fragment of the skull and brain had to be removed. Brain injuries are not always deadly. A noteworthy fact is that after all operations and period of rehab, the patient who lost much of their brain did not change at all. He retained all his memories and mental capabilities, despite the fact that Carlos Rodriguez is a man without a brain. He clearly demonstrates the uh, he he clearly demonstrates that in the photo. He continues to smile, is able to support conversation on various topics, quickly and appropriately answers the questions posed. Scientists today do not have a precise explanation of how one can live without the brain and retain most of the mental functions. A popular hypothesis in the scientific community is that the nerve endings in the abdominal part are partially replaced by the traditional organ of thinking.